This is DVM Loading, a podcast about the life of professional students from a veterinary perspective. With your hosts, Carling Hemstreet and Caitlin Marr, we go through the daily life of being in veterinary school with a fun twist. Let's get loading! Welcome back, listeners, to another week of DVM Loading. Here with us are your host, Carling Hemstreet, and myself, Caitlin Marr. Woohoo! <laughs> another week! Yes, we're so excited to have you all back. Thank you for um, sticking with us through the semester. We've had a lot of fun episodes, and uh, we're planning our summer schedule, so that's going to be really exciting, and uh, hopefully that's something you all can look forward to. But to get us started today, Carling, how has your week been? Uh, my week has been busy. Luckily, we have had, uh, since finals are coming up, we actually have had Monday and Friday off from class, so they're like our study days. So that's been really nice to kind of catch up on some of the studying that I didn't do last week because of what uh, is going to be our main topic, which is burnout. Yes. Um, I definitely felt some burnout last week, and so I was not the best student. Uh, and so I was able to catch up uh, this week on on those two days, which is, was really nice, and I was able to even get ahead. So um, hoping that finals go well and that I'm not super stressed, but, you know. Yes, I agree. My... Um, My week was about the same. I did enjoy having the two days off. That's something that we haven't had all year, really. And so um, something they're starting now different, like once we get towards finals, because last semester we kind of figured out, oh, a day off here or there would have been nice. Um, But I got to move in or start moving stuff into my new house. And so that's always fun and exciting. But I have to remind myself not to get distracted by wanting to do um, homely things and that I need to actually still spend time studying and yeah. being productive. Especially when your new house is so like amazing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so much closer to the school and it's a cute house. So I could totally understand wanting to be, to set that up rather than coming to the school. And yes. I can't wait for the summer to have everyone and their dogs over and just have a good time. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, my week has been pretty good. We're just getting ready for finals, like Carling said, and and uh, projecting all of the passing grades we could ever hope yeah. for. Thankfully, this semester's finals week is better than last semester's. Hands down. It was brutal last semester. Like, we had our anatomy final on Monday, and then we had two finals on Tuesday, one on Wednesday afternoon, two on Thursday, and then one Friday morning. Mm-hmm. And by the time Thursday evening rolled around and I was studying for that last final immunology on for Friday morning, yeah. I was done. Like, <laughs> my brain was not retaining anything. I agree. I I definitely think that I could have gotten a better score on that final if it was if we had been spread out. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I think I was so exhausted by Friday <laughs> and everybody's ready to be done with their first semester. So um, it definitely was on the back burner a little bit. So yeah. this schedule this year, we have um, one test a day and they're all in the morning. Yep. So that's really nice because they've reserved the um, afternoons and everything as study time. Yeah. In our anatomy finals, the week before the Friday before yes. our like finals week which are, are like our last week of like classes or, or like of being in school yeah so getting anatomy done out of the way early is honestly the best thing yes. and I really hope that they keep that in the curriculum here at tech because um, having your anatomy done and not having to spend the weekend before finals in the lab studying for that 
is really beneficial, like so beneficial and we're going to be way better off. Yeah. Well, and it could even be, you know, we finish our anatomy finals in the afternoon, like our practical portion typically by like at the latest five. Mm -hmm. So even if you needed to take that brain break in the evening and then start again on Saturday, you still have all of Saturday and all of Sunday to study for that Monday final. Mm -hmm. So, and I, uh, I think for us, our Monday finals, Paris it. So that's Friday. Oh, our first one is path. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So what they generally try and do is not schedule like the hardest exams back to back. So anatomy being one of our harder exams, we're doing it the Friday before. And then coming back that Monday, we'll start off with, and, and they're not easy. Um, MCP and Dr. Myers have done a great job teaching us uh, pathology and it's just so much to learn. Um, but they've set the course up in a way that it, it really is beneficial for the students, um, participation and everything. And it's not meant to stress us out too terribly much, which we are so appreciative of. So that one's on Monday. Yeah. (laughs) I'm definitely really excited that we have, uh, study days though. Me too. This past week has been so helpful to not like be in class because when you're in class, you're learning new material, right? So it's, you're learning material that you're going to get tested on in two weeks. So it's like adding more onto the fire right well we'll still be learning and in classes the week before finals oh yeah 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 Yeah. which is wild yeah (laughs) (laughs) so it's fine you know we're in vet school yeah it's not supposed to be easy (laughs) so our fun topic today we're kind of gonna chit chat about um clinical skills carling and i have practiced on our own animals and so that'll be really neat because um we're with our animals all the time when we're not here at the school. So we go and learn something at the school. We come home and apply it to our pets and get good at it. So it's really fun. Uh, Carlene, can you tell me how Dan has appreciated his mama going to vet school? <laughs> so Dan really enjoys when I learned, when I learned how to do physical exams, he loves physical exams because he just feels like he's getting pet all over mm-hmm. and you know, he gets a belly rub and then I get to like press on him and he's like, mom, what are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> um, but he, he thinks that thinks that's like the best thing because, um, he, he basically gets petted. Um, and so he really enjoys that. Uh, sometimes it's really hard to get him to sit still. Uh, like if I want to look in his ears or something, he's not, he just wants to be like up in my face. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I have to tell him to calm down, but he's been the best dog to learn how to do those on. He is not the best dog to do ultrasounds on. Cause we do have, um, we were given our little handheld butterflies that attach to our iPads. And so those are ours throughout our four years. So we actually have ultrasounds at our house. And sadly, Dan is not the best ultrasound patient. Um, He does not like sitting on his back uh, and being still for long periods of time unless he's actively getting a belly rub. And ultrasound doesn't cut it. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and I would be able to ultrasound him because he is a short-haired dog because he's a lab. Um, So it just sucks that he doesn't want to stay on his back for long periods of time. But, uh, I mean, he's a two-year-old lab from a hunting line, so he's pretty much on the go all the time. Mm -hmm. So I can't really expect too too much out of him. Yeah. But he's a good boy. He really has taken all the clinical skills that I've done on him, um, like, with a grain of salt. Like, he's he's a really good dog. And, uh, I mean, he grew up in a clinic. when I got him when I was working at the small animal clinic. So he's used to being held, um, like, for, like, blood draws or... Um, you know, if I have to, um, put him in a lateral restraint, like he's, he's fine with that. He's all used to that. Um, he hates getting his toenails, uh, trimmed. That's his least favorite thing. Um, I'm the only person that can pretty much touch his feet. 
uh, and he barely lets me do it. <laughs> so, uh, but overall, he's a good boy. He's really been a good sport about uh, me learning my my um, clinical skills. Mm-hmm. So, what about Aspen and Casey? So Aspen is just the angel child, you know. And then you think you're ready for the second one. And you get the second one because the first one was so good. This one probably will be too. And then this one is a spitfire. (laughs) So Casey is my hyperactive baby. Um, But Aspen, she is so sweet and laid back. She'll let me pretty much do everything with her. Um, I practice physical exams on her. I get to look in her mouth and stuff like that. Her ears, she doesn't mind. And um, the ultrasounding, she would let me do. And she has because she just likes to lay on her back. If she's not running around chasing a ball she's laying on her back she just wants to be pet she by just, her mom yeah she just wants to be with people and for them to rub her belly and so she'll lay on her back but because they're aussies they have long hair and i trim their belly hair like short well kind of short i like a long aussie hair um <laughs> but i refuse to shave her unless it's like i had to shave her for her spay and stuff like that um but because of her long hair i can't really get the best images on ultrasound Plus, then with the gel, her hair gets, like, goopy, and Mm -hmm. she, you know, she doesn't like it. But she does really good for that. Um, Casey, he does really good for – I got to do some, like, reflexes with him with my little – like a flexometer, right, is Mm -hmm. what it's called? Flexometer, yeah. Yeah, and so I got to see that and do some – practice some cranial cruciate, like, drawer, looking for, you know – draw signs a rupture or anything and because he's very hyper and likes to run into the fence and you think that he's gonna have like a torn cruciate ligament so you, you do did, it you did come into class one time and you're like i think casey tore his cruciate i was so upset because aspen was chasing him in the backyard and they're aussies they have they have hurting instincts and she was nipping at his back legs and and they were turning too wide and he hit the metal pole on like the fence and cried and instantly you know, held up his hind leg. And I was like, Jesus Christ, you know, I have a savings for my dogs in case uh, an emergency vet visit and stuff like that, but I did not want to spend it first year. <laughs> and and then so I gave him, I had some pain medicine left over from uh, the clinic I worked at, like from him. And so I gave him that for a day or two and he was better. I feel like as a vet student or as a technician or any anybody that works at a vet clinic, like you see the worst of the worst. So whenever something oh like god. that happens, yes. you're like, oh my god, immediately to the worst case scenario. Yes, absolutely. I gave him some carprofen and then the next day when he felt a little better, I checked for a drawer sign, didn't get anything. And then another day on carprofen, he was fine. And yeah. I had to have a talking with them that they could not chase each other into the fence. Um, but as far as nail trims, mine are so good at nail trims and I'll brag on them for it because they just come and they lay on their back in front of me and let me do all of it. And if I had a Dremel, uh, Casey would let me Dremel his nails too. Aspen, no, you can't Dremel. She'll let you trim all day long. But, uh, Casey, when he was a puppy, like he kind of grew up in a clinic. Like I brought him to work almost daily. Aspen, not so much. She hates it. She hates being in a kennel. She hates mm-hmm you know, the rush and everything. But Casey's literally sat in an exam room and watched me put a catheter in a dog and just, like, sat there next to me, uh, just being a good little helper. Oh, <laughs> so what a good boy. He grew up in that setting, and he had a lot of aunts at my work that would mess with him. And 
uh, help kind of desensitize them to some of these things because mm-hmm. it has been really cool. And as we advance with our skills, we'll just get to practice more on them. Yeah, I definitely think that I haven't tried to do any sort of reflex stuff with Dan uh, beyond, you know, hopping him mm-hmm. for like a neuro exam. Oh, yes. But uh, if I tried to do, you know, like uh, using the plexometer on him or um, doing a, like a cranial, like a drawer test, I don't think... He would no. I I I know he wouldn't sit still for that because <laughs> you know they have to be. I would have to have someone hold him. Mm-hmm. And to be quite honest, there are dogs up here that are better and more used to, for that. For so, sure. Like I'd rather just use dogs that are yeah. chill with it than try to force Dan into something like that he doesn't want to do unless yeah. he needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mine will literally let me do anything to them, which is crazy. I wish they knew strangers. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> They'd go up to anybody and be like, "You take me home." Um, but it's been nice because they are so adaptive and just kind of let me do whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course when they get tired of it, I stop and stuff, but for the most part, I've gotten to practice a lot of skills. I will say Dan would probably, like, I probably don't really need a holder to draw blood for him. Like I could probably get blood from his jug without a holder. Um, Oh, Casey would not let me do that. Casey hates getting poked, like vaccines, anything. Mm -hmm. He, he hates it. And so Aspen, she'll let me poke her as many times as I need to get blood from her, but I probably best have a holder. I don't yeah. think I could draw any of their blood by myself, or if I could, I think it'd only be Aspen. Yeah. yeah. But no, it is fun to be able to practice your skills on your dogs, and they're just really good sports. Or your it. cats, or your horses, mm-hmm. or your cows, things I like really that. I really do wish that I had a horse that I could just easily go out and like practice ultrasounding, because I think those are the ones that we're probably going to ultrasound the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, because I mean, I feel like in dogs, you typically have to like convince the owner to do that. You know, mm-hmm. it's not as commonplace as like horse ultrasounds. I'm so pumped to go home this summer and be able to um, practice ultrasounding and physical exams. And we've yeah. even learned, uh, through my, uh, equine practice, like partnership club or whatever, SCAAP, um, like we've gotten to go do wet labs and we've been taught some myofascial exam stuff, which is really next That's level really cool. in equine medicine. And so I've gotten to learn some of that stuff and now I can go home and apply it. Yeah. Um, so I'm really pumped this summer. I'm going to shave all of my horse's legs. And I'm going to do distal limb ultrasounds every day if I can. And clinical skills are just one of those things you just have to practice over and over and over again. Like, it's literally, like, whether it's suture, ultrasound, radiographs, you know, (laughs) Nobody will be perfect ever. Physical exams. Like, you just have to do them over and over and over again. And the more animals you can get your hands on, like, the better, honestly. So it's something that if you're in vet school or you're going into vet school, please keep that in mind is that you need to continually practice uh, your clinical skills, not just, you know, when OSCEs are coming around. Yeah, very true. I the echo that message, you know, for everybody because you can think that you'll practice and be ready to pass something or perform something if you just, you know, start practicing or studying the week before. That's just not the reality with the rigor we have here at school and vet school. Um, same in medical school, nursing school, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it is really a blessing for our animals to let us do things and practice with them. So 
Shout out to Aspen, Casey, and Dan, and all of the other vet pups in the world. <laughs> yep, they truly, the vet pups and the, and the kitties, vet kitties, everything. Yeah, they uh, they truly do help their mamas and daddies. I will say, this summer when I go home, I'm going to practice putting my cat Lola in a kitty burrito. Because <laughs> I just want to see what she'll look like in one. <laughs> <laughs> she might be angry at you. Oh, she will. <laughs> She's kind of round like a football. Yeah. And so she she's going to be an awkward-shaped burrito. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, uh, today our main topic we're going to chat about is burnout. And we have a Webster Dictionary, um, I guess, definition of burnout. And it is exhaustion or physical, of physical or emotional strength or motivation, usually as a result of prolonged stress or frustration. And I think right now, um, two weeks out from finals, that is something Carling and I and a lot of our classmates and and colleagues at other universities can relate to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, Carling, tell me a little bit about what, I guess, our first year curriculum looked like here at TTU, which, you know, warning, it'll be different at other universities. This is just an insight of what Carling and I have dealt with. Yeah, so here at Texas Tech, it's uh, in the fall, we took 21 credit hours uh, with 10 classes total. And then this spring, we had 22 credit hours with eight classes total. So in the last eight months since August, we've had 43 credit hours. So like for perspective, when I was an undergrad, I think the most credit hours I ever took in a semester was 15. Mm. Yeah. And that was undergrad level classes. So like you really step it up whenever you come into vet school. And so that's why I think it's really important to be prepared like mentally for that like rigor whenever you you first start. And it's like burnout is something that's going to happen, I think, just because it is so stressful and it is continual. And so I don't think there's anyone in a professional school that hasn't felt that way. Yeah. I think some people probably get burnt out more easily. Uh, than maybe others, but I think at some point along the way, even, you know, the most well-adjusted person will feel burnt out. Yeah, I agree, and, like, during this whole year, first year for us, and what it'll look like from here on out, except our our fourth year, um, we've only had a Christmas break, spring break, and Thanksgiving break, and our Christmas break, in all reality, um, depending on where people live in the state and everything, Generally, you only have about two weeks yeah, of true two, vacation two, three to relax. Sure. And, you know, we I, I mentioned 43 credit hours, you know, for us here at Texas Tech. It's similar in other schools, too. Like it they, is. They, uh, like, vet, professional school's hard. <laughs> it just is. And, and the amount you have to learn, I mean, we call it, like, drinking from a fire hose. And that's just what you have to do or else, you know, we'd be in vet school for eight years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to not make money for eight years. Yeah, no. <laughs> so <do> I'd <laughs> rather, you know, go through a really stressful point in my life for four years uh, than, you know, stretch it out for an extended period of time. So it, it's it's a trade off. And I think you just need to kind of know what you're getting into Um, And then, you know, being able to be aware of when you're feeling burnt out and then know what to do for that, for you specifically. Yeah, and we had looked at the AVMA resources online for, you know, signs of burnout within yourself or colleagues. And and a couple of examples they had included energy depletion and exhaustion, um, having negative feeling towards your career and daily tasks, uh, mental distance, which... Carling and I kind of interpreted it as like isolating yourself, being checked out, kind of um, 
numb, neutral feelings, impartial to things happening around you. Uh, another example is some decreased performance in your standard of care skills and um, maybe not paying attention in class as much as you used to and even dreading going to certain classes, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people can um, relate to. I know I could relate to that in undergrad a lot. Uh, I think the one really unique and cool thing about tech's vet school is that our schedule is kind of floating in a sense. Like, we don't have a set schedule to where we have the same classes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We have different, um, I guess, orders of classes that happen. So one day we could have two hours of parasit and the next day one hour of each class and so on and so forth. So it's different every day. And I think that helps with the burnout and the not dreading going to class part of it. I personally really enjoy um, <laughs> coming to class because my professors and my friends are awesome. But I know for some people having the rotating, the floating schedule is helpful because um, they don't they don't feel such a... I don't know. I don't know what the word for it. You don't feel forced. Yeah. And you Not don't hate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's I, different. I agree with you. I really do like that we have a rotating schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it really helps me being like, oh, well, what am I going to learn today? Mm-hmm. You know, and so for me, I like it. But I'm a very go with the flow kind of person. I don't need necessarily like a set schedule. And some people really like having a set schedule. So I think it depends on you know, who you are and what you like, but, and I, and I can see, you know, the people that like the, like, more structured schedules, like, I can see, I can get that, uh, like, where they're coming from, I just like that there's variety, and I, and I agree with you, I think it helps with burnout, Um, and I think the main thing on here that I feel like I've experienced in terms of, like, signs of burnout is, you know, that um, not paying attention in classes, like, I have felt, more recently that like I come to class and like I'm sitting in class I'm physically there but I'm not always mentally there or I'm mentally there for the first 20 minutes when I'm not there for the last 30 um, or something like that that is completely different than how I felt at the beginning of the semester or even back in August Mm -hmm. you know and and you know I think that's just I I think we've adjusted to the workload first of all and then second of all I think it just comes down to your brain can only handle so much you know, and so being aware of being like, well, I am kind of checking out from classes, like, what can I do to really try to maximize my time in terms of like, do I need to take a night off so that I can kind of take that brain break and then I can come in tomorrow and actually pay attention in class? Mm-hmm. Or like, do I need to take a weekend off? Like, what do I need to do for me, myself? Because it's going to be different for everyone, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, someone might feel more energy depletion and exhaustion, you know, like, it's just like you're tired all the time and because your brain never turns off, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's something, um, burnout is not something that, uh, we necessarily talk about in terms of, you know, um, maybe people checking in. And so that's why I think it's really important for, you know, you and me, Caitlin, to have this conversation so that people can check in on their friends, especially mm-hmm. at this time of the year for us, you know, right around finals where it's like, Hey, are you doing okay? Like, are you sleeping enough? Are you, um, are you just going like balls to the wall all the time? Mm-hmm. You know, like you need to take that mental break because your brain does need to turn off every once in a while. Yeah. And I think like I can resonate with some of these examples. Um, for me, the, um, 
I guess the not paying attention in class sometimes I can relate to because there will be some classes like I just took an exam for. So now I'm having to be sit in that class right after taking that exam. And I'm like, this is the least on my priority list at the moment. So I check out, do other things, study for other classes. Still present in the lecture, still participate if needed, but I'm not really engaged in the material. And that's something, um, the beginning of the semesters, you're always going to be on your best foot in my in my own experience. And then come finals time. And this was like it for me in undergrad too. Finals times, you're exhausted. Um, I personally stay up late at night and wake up early. And so I don't get as much sleep as I should. And I know that's an issue. Um, so I deal with that exhaustion and the burnout of studying the material, even though I'm very interested to learn the material. It's just the volume and the deadlines. There's so many things mm-hmm. due, like, at the end of a semester always, I feel like. And I'm like, okay, I've procrastinated or now it's time to hit and do all of these to-dos in one day, one setting. So it can be hard to sit down and make yourself do something. Um, I can relate to that a lot. And then I know uh, other people who don't get very much sleep. They tend to start falling asleep in class or they sleep through their alarms and things like that. And so, um, anyways, it's, uh, it can be hard for you to stay engaged in the material and everything. And, uh, I just recommend that you do check in on your friends today. We went out to lunch with some of our friends and we sat there and talked for hours and just checked in on each other. And, and I will say one thing for me is, uh, kind of like the checking out or the decreased performance in skills and standards and stuff like that. Cause, um, so far this whole semester, I've worked really hard on my grades mm-hmm. and while grades don't define you and like your quality of a veterinarian, because I've set myself up in a good position with good grades, I can kind of take a deep breath for these final exams and not have to lose sleep over, am I going to pass or am I going to, you know, whatever. Cause I've set myself up to where if I just continue doing what I'm doing or, you know, maybe I can even take an extra day or two off from studying, I'll still be okay. So, uh, our, <laughs> it's funny, our anatomy professor, our fall semester, one of his first lectures, he told us, he said, I recommend you come out of the gate really hard, scoring really high on the exam, study your booty off Um, That way you're not having to spend your whole semester digging yourself out of a hole. Um, And then because once finals roll around, like last year, for example, finals rolled around. And, I mean, I was able to kind of relax just like I am now. And I say relax lightly because it's me. (laughs) I don't relax. Uh, But I'm not spending so much anxious energy into studying. And I can actually just enjoy and Uh, get familiar with the material on my own. Yeah, I agree. Dr. Rowe definitely hit the nail on the head with saying, you know, at the beginning of the semester, and this is true for anatomy as it is for for every class. class. And it is, I think it is probably the best piece of advice that you could probably ever get when you start school is like, please, with your first round of tests, like do not slack off, like hit the ground running and start studying early and do really, really, really well on those first couple tests. Because one, it's going to give you confidence in your ability to study. 
And two is going to really set you up for the rest of the semester. And so you don't have to dig yourself out of a hole because it can be so stressful at finals time whenever you're like, okay, well, I can't, I can only miss three to, you know, pass this class. That can be really scary. And I think that can lead to a lot of anxiety and that anxiety and that uh, can affect your score that you're putting out. Yeah, it can affect your score and it could just be, you know, um, you just worked yourself into a tizzy Mm -hmm. and you didn't sleep. And now you didn't do all on the test because you didn't sleep, you know, because you're so anxious about your grade, you know. So, like, if you're coming into vet school in the fall or if you're starting a new semester, like, please take that advice of, like, start early. Uh, Now, I'm not saying don't start in the summer. Well, no, don't start in the summer. But, like, for example, I started studying that first week of school. mm -hmm. And I'm so glad I did because here's the thing that none of us realize until after the first exam in all of your classes of the semester are, is going to be the easiest test mm-hmm. you'll experience for that class the rest of the semester. Because I remember us getting ready for third or fourth exam of anatomy and we're like, oh my gosh, I wish I could just go back and retake the first one because that was so easy. I feel like I know that stuff down hat like easy now. Yeah. And so like Carling said, uh, just oh yeah, don't start during the summer. I don't recommend yeah, don't that. Don't do that. But, um, but definitely, like, you know, when you start classes, like, and it doesn't even need to be that much, you know, like, your first week, it, the classes, you know, they're just starting to ramp up. So, like, study an hour. It doesn't need to be, you know, a five-hour study session or something. But, like, start, mm-hmm. you know, like, do things early. And that's really, I think, the key to everything is being able to budget your time and start early enough. Um, yes. Because it will help with with this burnout because, um, because of where you're putting your energy, you know. For sure. Because... Um, I mean, there's just a lot of anxiety surrounded by being a vet student in this, like, high-achieving profession. And so if you can just save yourself some energy and some stress by setting yourself up for success in the beginning, like, and here's here's the catch. Like, we're all human. We're not perfect. If your first exam doesn't go well, guess what? It's okay. I know so many people who didn't do well on a first exam and they came out with an A in the class. Like Mm -hmm. it just, it just shifts things. So if you cushion yourself, it usually helps in the end. Now you can't just completely blow off your final exams. Like don't do that. That's not my advice. Uh, But you're able to kind of just study it more of, I need to study to retain, not to just pass a test. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, you know, you know, we talk, I think we've talked a lot about grades and, you know, getting an ABC, um, and your GPA and like, yes, it is very important to get good grades. And just because that shows that, you know, the material, but like, if you get a C on a test, but you're like, I can go into a clinic and I can talk to someone about diabetes, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter if you got a C on the test. For sure. You I'm know? not going to, as a client, my dog comes in, has Cushing's. I'm not going to be like, can I see your transcript for physiology? Um, I'm not. I'm just going to want you to sit down and be able to have a conversation mm-hmm. with me about it. Regardless if I know or don't know, you have to go consult, you know, textbooks or online resources and stuff like that. That's fine. Every veterinarian does that. I hate to break it to the people who don't yeah. think Last so. Shattering. They do. <laughs> <laughs> um, like most of the times they're like, yeah, let's Google, like check Google. <laughs> and so uh, we, we ourselves as vet it's, students do And it. so like, we just want to keep that in perspective because, you know, I think we come from, you know, talking about how grades are important because they are, and it shows that, you know, you're invested here in school and that you're, you're wanting to be a vet. But, you know, if it, if you're just working your booty off and it's just not 
like your testing is isn't going well for you like whether you have test anxiety or anything like that it is something that you don't need to beat yourself up over but like because you're studying to be a doctor you're not studying to be a student for the rest of your life for sure a, a straight c student will graduate with the same degree as a straight a student yeah but so. um, but it is still important to get those good grades. So keep you've got to pass to play, like we've talked about yep. before. The whole testing anxiety and maybe learning disabilities. There's accommodation services that you can reach out to. Don't be afraid to reach out to those. We've talked about that on previous episodes. And so I mean, there are ways to mitigate burnout and to kind of set yourself up for success to where you limit your exposure to burnout or mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And And uh, it kind of just leads into, you know, so you're feeling burned out. What are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Right, Carling? Like, am I going to just deal with it or or Mm -hmm. are there resources out there for me? Oh, there's plenty of resources. So I pulled um, these off of the Blue Pearl Vet Clinic, um, like, article that they wrote about Mm -hmm. burnout. Um, And if you know, just do a quick Google search about veterinary burnout. Um, The AVMA has a bunch of resources. SAVMA, which is the student version, has a lot of resources for students as well. Um, Your school have a bunch of resources. Like there is there is stuff out there for you. But um, Blue Pearl has, I thought, some really good ones that I really liked. So the first one was Remember Your Why. Uh, Remember why you're here in vet school, why you wanted to do what you do uh, and and, you know, what you want to accomplish um, by being a veterinarian. I think that can be really important, especially with the perspective, because you can get so wrapped up into being like, well, am I get, Am I going to pass this class? Am I going to get an A? Am I going to get a B? Like, like I, I don't care. You know, mm-hmm. at that point, you're like, I don't care. It's not even worth it. But when you think about, no, like, I want to go out and I want to help people. I want to be a part of my community where I can be an advocate for those animals you know, then it's a lot easier to say, like, I need to keep on going. It's two more weeks, like one thing at a time, you know, remembering why you're doing what you're doing, I think is really important. Um, Yeah, I agree. And, you know, okay, I'm going to backtrack a little bit to my undergrad experience. Uh, Be very transparent here. My freshman year, I failed a class. And when I say fail, I mean an F. F on my transcript forever. And, um, that's why me and chemistry don't get along. (laughs) Um, anywho, uh, I had gotten a bad score on a like a a class, like I failed the class. I was going to have to retake it. And I remember being so distraught and upset with myself. Um, my mom had reached out to my aunt Missy. She, uh, had went to A&M and gotten her bachelor's master's through that and everything. And so she could, best relate to what I was going through. And so she called me one day and I sat on the phone. And as soon as I saw her name pop up on my phone, instantly, I was like, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to bawl my eyes out. And so she talks to me on the phone and I just immediately start crying. And I tell her, you know, the situation I'm in, I feel like I've let myself down. And and how could you ever get into vet school if you have an F on your transcript, right? Like, that's what mm-hmm, you see. Mm-hmm. When you Google search, what GPA do I need for vet school? Yeah. 3.9. It's, it's obviously not somebody that's gotten an F before, am I right? Um, well, here I am in the flesh. So proven point that if you're resilient, you can come out of it. But the conversation I had with my Aunt Missy was uh, life-changing in a sense because she asked me. And it was the first time... I had had somebody like unbiased ask me this question. They're like, well, could you see yourself doing anything else? 
Wow. That's a great question. And I was just like, it kind of shocked me. And of course, I'm distraught, emotional, crying. And she's like, you know, would you be happy in life doing anything else? You need to pray about it. You need to um, talk to resources and see if there's anyone that can give you advice or help. And and, uh, it can be hard to go to professors and talk about things like that. So me and my Aunt Missy talked for over an hour that day. And I remember telling her, I was like, no, I can't see myself doing anything else. I literally could not. If I was not going to become a veterinarian, I was not going to be anything. I just didn't know what my path would be other than that, other than this. And that conversation, I think, really stuck with me because there was a time in my life where I was burnt out on school. I had failed a class and I was like, well, I'm just a huge disappointment to myself and my family. And, And I had the feeling of, well, I've only ever wanted to be a veterinarian. So if I can't get into vet school, I'll disappoint my family and all of those that have supported me. Well, that's not the case. They just wanted me to be happy and do whatever was best for me. And I had to find it within myself and remember my why. Mm -hmm. And I had to remember why I wanted to do this, why I went down this path. And I'm so thankful every day for that phone call because um, if I didn't have it, I may not have been reminded of um, how lucky I am to be where I'm at and how hard I've had to work and and the struggles because everybody has struggles to get here. Yeah. So remembering remembering your why is so incredibly important in moments like that. Yeah, 100%. And I had a similar experience, but I don't think I could say it any better than you just did. <laughs> so like I'm over here like tearing up listening oh, to you it's talk emotional. about it. I mean, it is. And, it, and I, I think... was sitting at my desk Googling, what can I do with an animal science degree? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And nothing, <laughs> you know, like you're going to fail, you know, like 100%, life, literally, you know, before you come to vet school, you know, say an undergrad and work and when you're in vet school, you're going to fail when you're out of vet school, you're going to fail. You know, it's how you handle those. That's failures. how you learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather fail and learn from it than never fail and never get any better. Guess what? You're uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. Being vulnerable and not good at something yes. is a hard thing yes. for uh, veterinarians and vet students, professional students yeah. to deal with. Yeah. And I know uh, it was something when we were going over, like, how to help burnout. Um, I mentioned this was uh, focusing on what you can control. I'm bad at that. And <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> you were like, man, if that's me in a sentence. Yeah. Um, because it is, you know, you can't control, you know, how others do on a test. You can only control how you do on a test. You can't control, um, like you can't control how frequently you practice your clinical skills. Mm -hmm. You can't control how you talk to others. You know, I mean, you can only do what you're going to do, you know? And so just keeping in mind that, that you're the one that is going out there and taking those tests and you're the one in the class you know, you have to take responsibility of your own education and being aware that, you know, if you're not in class, like listening to what they're talking about, then you have to do it at another time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you're taking time away from yourself at that point. And that's something, you know, with me recently um, ha- struggling to pay attention in class, I have to remind myself that, like, I can control me paying attention in class. And mm-hmm. so, like, I'm really going to make an effort to try to pay attention. I agree, yeah. Um, and so just being aware of, like, kind of when you zone out or when you, like, do those things. Like, if you're trying to, 
uh, avoid doing clinical skills because you're bad at them. Like, you're going to be bad at stuff when you first start doing it. it it's just going to happen because you haven't practiced it. When you pra- Like, we talked about with clinical <laughs> skills a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We were talking about how our simple continuous looks like a worm. And, like, mine does not look like a worm anymore because I've I've practiced. And so I can control that. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to take responsibility and I'm going to do that for myself. Yeah, I think my issue internally with, like, trying to control the things I can't control is because I have a perfectionist, like, mm-hmm. mindset. And yeah. we're so competitive. And I'd love to be able to control everything. I'd love to be able to... Um, I guess a fault of mine is expecting me out of others and mm-hmm. my expectations for myself out of other people around me when I can't do that. Cause we all hold ourselves to different expectations and mm-hmm. standards. Um, so you just end up letting yourself down and then, you know, oops, I lost control. I'm unhappy. I'm burnt out. I hate it here. Well, it doesn't have to be your reality. Mm-hmm. Um, the things you can control are your grades innocent to some degree. I mean, sometimes, sure, you just have a really bad exam day or you get a, you know, you get a, not what you wanted, but you felt like you had A or B knowledge. Okay, take that. I I understand that because I've had tests where I've gotten a B or a C and I feel, no, I feel like I have A knowledge of that. And that's fine. Nobody's going to contest you and be like, let me see your A. If you know your stuff, you know your stuff. And that's what you can control. You can control what you've learned and taken out of vet med and mm-hmm. vet school in general. So, yeah. yeah. And something that I've struggled with when it comes to burnout that, you know, uh, Blue Pearl mentioned was to practice gratitude. Uh, I am horrible at this. Um, and because, you know, the reality is I have prayed my entire life to be in the position that I'm in, to, like, be in vet school For doing sure. what I'm doing. And sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to do this. Mm. Like, I don't want to go to school today. Like, I have other things that I would rather do. You know, I'd rather sit at home on the couch and watch TV. You know, like, that sounds nice. Yeah, that does sound you know, nice. <laughs> I'd like to go home and take Dan on a walk. Yeah. Um, I'd like to be outside in the sunshine. And, you know, like, five years ago, if I had said that to my previous self, I probably would have slapped me. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would have killed to be in this position. Um, and so just being aware of of when, you know, you're feeling burnout, you know, it kind of goes back to remembering your why, like remembering why you wanted to do this and like being thankful that you're here doing it. Yeah, I can relate with that heavily Um, in a similar fashion to you. Like I've prayed my whole life to be here. And after going through academic struggles, personal struggles and things like that, like most of us have, um, it is crazy for me to catch myself, um, not grateful that I'm here Mm -hmm. or, or I guess kind of hesitant to do things and that are part of our curriculum here. And sometimes I'm just like, Oh, do I really need to do that again? Or can I just watch and watch a show or go talk to my friends on the phone for ungodly amount of hours? Yeah. And so, yeah, we do have to check ourselves every now and then. Um, I think that's something we all struggle with. And I think practicing that gratitude also kind of changes your mindset from being a negative one to more of a positive one. For sure. So it can change how you treat others as well. Cause you know, no one wants to be around a negative person when they're saying, you know, I don't want to do this or that I'm tired. I'm going to go take a nap, you know, Y'all, it is exhausting. And so, you know, saying like, I'm thankful to be here. Like I, I worked so hard to be here and you know, like I know there are people that are envious of my position. Like they want to be in the position that I'm in. So I'm grateful that I'm here. I earned my spot 
And so today I'm going to do the best that I can do today. I think reminding yourself that of that is, is really important. And I know I could probably use that in the morning. Um, for sure, whenever I'm getting up and I'm like, another day, another dollar. Um, I think it can really kind of change around your attitude by making it more of a positive one. And that helps the people around you and that helps you yourself. And then that can really motivate you. You know, it's all of like a downstream effect. It's like dominoes. Yeah. Like I could not have said what you just said any better. I definitely relate to that a hundred thousand person. The one thing I would add is, is it is so exhausting being around people who have a negative perception of your career and they're your colleagues like if you're unhappy and you hate it why are you here Mm -hmm. um you know nobody's forcing you to go to vet school in a sense nobody's forcing you to go to med school nursing school nothing it's you at the end of the day so if you're unhappy change your change your situation and another thing is too is why are you going to spend every day unhappy? Life Mm -hmm. is too short Mm -hmm. to do that. So like Carling had said, I'd rather project um, happiness and uh, gratitude than having a negative connotate like aspect towards school. Mm -hmm. Because if I just wake up every day and hate it, well, then guess what? I'm probably not going to do very good at school, (laughs) Mm -hmm. in my opinion, my two cents. 100%. And then the other, the last thing the Blue Pearl talked about was to leave the um, to, uh, work or school drama at work or at school mm-hmm. and, like, don't bring it home with you. Like, I pr- prefer to study up at the school um, because I can get that separation between, like, school and home. Like, when I go home, I'm done. You know, I don't need to, like, worry about, you know, studying for this class. I don't need to worry about, um, like, getting anything done. Like, I've left the school, it's left there. And I think that's really important to have that separation, whether or not, you know, if you don't like studying at the school and you like studying at home, like, find a separate space mm-hmm. for, for yourself. So, like, um, have your desk uh, be in an office space um, to be away from your bedroom. So that way, whenever you go to bed, it's not like you're still in that same space as your desk where you study. Mm-hmm. Um, and that separation has really helped um, me. And I think if you struggle with being able to turn your brain off and that leads to burnout, then try, you know, just having that separation. And that way you can differentiate between being in study mode versus being at like relaxing at home mode. Yeah, I agree with that. I really do like studying at school. Um, like I do study at home, too. And I've done that in undergrad, too, and it never really, I never struggled with the idea of not being able to shut it off, um, because I'm honestly a night owl, and so I'll go home and still study, or that's when I'll catch my, you know, second burst of energy, Um, because when I'm done, I just set my iPad on my desk, and I go to sleep, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I don't really, I don't have any significant other to come home and, and dump any drama or my attitude on or anything, so uh, I don't, I'm not the best to, I guess, give advice on that, but from just hearing what people have said and, and advised and, like Carling said, just trying to leave that stuff where it's supposed to be and mm-hmm. not let it project into your personal life yeah. is the best. And I will say I have had times where I'm super stressed and I bring it home and, you know, you're just, like Matt is the person that I can vent to, right? And so, like, he doesn't mind if I vent, but sometimes, you know, when people are texting me or if things are happening and I'm on my phone, like, all night and we're trying to, like, you know, spend quality time together. Like, he literally, last night he did this, actually. He took, I was, like, 
uh, it was, we were talking in our group text and I was like, not like paying attention to anything that was happening. And he was like, give me your phone. And he put it on do not disturb <laughs> and like put it on the end table, like away from me. And he was like, we need to actually have like us time. Yeah. And it was because like, I wasn't separating that like school from like home life. And, and sometimes you just need them to say like, Hey, no, be present here today. Yeah. Okay. And, um, so that's why like, I don't like sitting at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an office and so, that helps a little bit. And I don't know next, next year, you know, now that we don't, when we don't have anatomy and I don't have to be here, if I'm still going to study at the school or if I'm going to study at home, but I have that option, Mm -hmm. but I think it can get really, the lines can get blurred, especially if you have a significant other, um, being able to turn off that like school brain is really important because they want to spend quality time with you too. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good thing. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, so, like, managing expectations with your partner is also really important. So, have that conversation before you start school, and you'll be It good. is, yeah, because you are going to be absent for a lot of things, but you don't have to be as absent as other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you can decide what your boundaries are and your expectations, like Carling said. Uh, kind of like what Carling and I had brainstormed for some things to uh, get ourselves out of, like, a burned-out, uh, I guess, slope in our lives, especially in school, is... There, I mean, you can exercise. Carling has an in-house gym, like, in her garage that her and Matt have made, and she works out every day before coming to school. Um, when we have our holiday breaks, go see families or go see your friends. Um, whatever it is, just get out. You know, you might still have to study while you're there, but you're not at least having to be at the school mm-hmm. or in your same house every day. Uh, you can take the night or the weekend off, like we've talked about that, because we definitely do that if if we don't have a test that next week, early in the week, I'm going to take the weekend off mm-hmm. more than likely. Mm-hmm. And uh, what me and Sydney and our friend Bailey had done and her boyfriend, hopefully soon to be fiance. <laughs> um, uh, if, uh, if you have like a really cool town near you or like the next town over, just take a, a day trip over there and hang out somewhere outside of like for example us in Amarillo we drove down to Lubbock went to a winery had fun and then came back and it was so refreshing to just leave yeah I think getting out of the the town that you're in sometimes is a really nice reset button Mm -hmm. and you know Lubbock is only about an hour and a half from Amarillo so you can do a day trip easy and so it's so easy it's like nice to get out of town and just like get away from everything for a little bit yeah and you know and that can be part of like your weekend away you know maybe you go and you do an overnight trip Mm -hmm. you know like it's however you want to recharge your battery i know this past weekend or two weekends ago matt was out of town he was visiting his own family and um so it was just me at home me and dan and i was like i am not going to leave my house on saturday and i'm going to do what I want to do. So I watched, I finished you at home and then I read half of a book and it was so refreshing Mm because I hadn't been able to do that in a long time. And it wasn't absolutely imperative that I study. So I didn't. And, um, that was really helpful for me to kind of come back in, um, in the week and, and be able to be ready to study and be ready in class. Yeah. I, I like that. I agree with that. It is nice to get away. Um, and a few other things like example, for example, Texas Tech's vet school, we've done intramurals. So Mm -hmm. we've had a volleyball team, um, a softball team, they're working on tennis and in the future we're talking about adding soccer as well. Mm -hmm. So that's just really fun. It's usually once a week, uh, you go out in the evenings and just play a sport, get active 
be outside. Hang out with your your coworkers or <laughs> coworkers. Hang out with a lot of people and um, just have a good time. Just not have your head in the book. And then another thing that we have stressed so heavily on this um, podcast and that I hope is maybe one of the one things that you take away from it in general is talk to your mentors and your peers, even your school counselors. Um, there are so many resources and listening ears. I swear uh, I could go talk to my mentors for hours on end. Like somebody needs to leash me up and tell me <laughs> you can only talk to them for 30 minutes, not three hours, because 30 minutes and three hours feels a whole yeah. a whole lot uh, like the same, whatever. I'm having really good conversations with them. And, and uh, I always leave feeling better about a situation I was in or uh, I guess more confident and comfortable mm-hmm. in myself. And so... Uh, I enjoy talking to them, and I recommend it highly. Yeah, and I know here at Texas Tech, and I'm sure probably other vet schools, we have a uh, psychologist on staff. So she is there for us to be able to go and talk to. So if you're feeling really burnt out and you're struggling to remember why you're here, um, having that, you know, licensed professional that, that can walk you through those feelings can really help someone who doesn't know what to do. So yeah. if you, you know, uh, you don't want to take any of the advice that we give, like you're like, I really don't like exercising. You know, I don't really want to go and like meet other people at this time. Like that's not going to help me like go and use that resource or, or f- ask your school what resources they have. Cause, mm-hmm. um, having those people that are professionals in walking people through, um, burnout is imperative and don't let it go by the wayside because you're going to end up being in a bad situation that you shouldn't be in um, because you are a good student you are a good person you just uh, didn't have anyone there to tell you what to do and sometimes you yeah. need someone to help you through that and I think going off of it just popped in my head when you said that um, having burnout or feelings of burnout does not make you a bad student because I can guarantee you close to 100% of my classmates and a lot of other people are experiencing it or experience it at one point in the semester or year. So um, don't don't let, you know, imposter syndrome, she's going to come back and creep in. Mm-hmm. She's going to tell you, oh, you have burnout, you know, you're not going to cut it in the real world. Mm-hmm. It's so stressful being a vet. Well, kick her to the curb and realize that every single human has burned out feelings towards the career or the profession they're in at least one point in their life. So even if you feel burned out all four years of vet school, which is okay, guys, 100% okay, um, it does not mean you're not going to be the best veterinarian possible. 100%. And, you know, this is more advice for current veterinary students, but also something for future veterinary students to keep in mind is during your summer, so you have off, like, please take a break. Uh, you're in class all day, you know, fall and spring semester, and you may have your summers off and you're like, I'm going to go work for a summer and I'm going to make all this money and it's going to be great. Like, make sure that you set aside time for you to recoup and, and that way you're not burnt out when you start the semester. And that's something that Clint has told us over and over Mm -hmm. again is he's like, please make sure that you have time for yourself, like, say, like, two weeks before the semester starts, even if you work the entire summer. That's exactly what I'm doing the last two weeks of summer. Take a couple weeks before the semester starts so that you can go and do whatever you want to do. You can go home and visit your your friends and family. You can go take a vacation that you want to take. Do not start the, the semester burnt out because you worked the whole summer. Please don't do that because it, it will not end well. Um, 
make sure that you start the semester like ready to go and, and do whatever is going to be good for you to do that. That That's my advice for, for summers, for other future or current vet students. That's the same advice I would give. We've already talked about not starting to study for the upcoming semester, you know, during the summer. Don't do it. Just enjoy your summer. Like Carling said, if you just love veterinary medicine so much that it's your hobby, your passion, your profession all in one, great. But still take a step away from it for a week or two at least. Mm -hmm. It'll do you some good. Mm -hmm. Um, So to wrap up our conversation on this today, Carling, can you tell me what your win for the week has been? Ah, yes. So I am a very extroverted person, as y'all know. Um, And so for me, what fills my cup is going to social events. And luckily here at Tech, we've had quite a few in the past couple weeks. So we had a fish fry last weekend, a 5K run that I did not run. I walked. Um, (laughs) But that was at a local winery. So me and Matt went out and we took Dan and we did a 5K walk with everyone. Um, The Gritty Grapes did great. Um, and then we had uh, a, a Cinco de Mayo event um, sponsored by Purina that had volleyball. And um, we were able to get both our class of 25 and 26 together, and we really were able to mingle. And so having that social interaction for me with, you know, my classmates and my peers has really helped me. And I, um, I mean, the extrovert in me was so happy. <laughs> so sure. I was able to, you know, take a step away from school and have those social events that really helped me be prepared to go into finals. So yeah. that's my win for the week is that I was able to be social. No, that's a good win. All of those events have been so fun and I've liked going to them. Uh, my win for the week, or I guess it hasn't happened yet, um, just one week till I get to fly down to my hometown and watch my little baby brother graduate college. And so uh, that's something really important to me. And, you know, it's right in the thick of finals. Um, (laughs) I'll literally, yeah, I'll literally be on a plane an hour after finishing my anatomy final. Um, And we'll be getting back Sunday evening late before finals week starts. Mm -hmm. But hey, it's worth it. Vet school is full of sacrifices, and this was just not one that I was willing to make. I had to be there for Garrett. So mm-hmm. uh, that was my win for the week. I or I get to see my baby brother looking graduate soon. It. Yeah, yep. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. So as always, if y'all have questions, comments uh, for us, you can email us at dvmloadingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, hopefully the advice and the things that we talked about today you were able to use. Um, please use your resources, whether that be us or through your school or through your friends and family. Um, we just want the best for all of you out there. Um, if you could drop a comment below if you liked our show or if you could give us a five-star rating, that would be great. Yeah, as always, wreck them.